What's up, voters, patriots, citizens? It's your girl, Kina Zontel, and it's season two of Citizen the Pod. On today's episode, we have Sir Amazing, Atu, and a conversation with Stanley Fritz of Citizen Action New York. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Citizen the Pod. Happy New Year, patriots, voters, listeners, viewers. I'm excited to be back on the scene with you. It is so much going on right now. I just was ready to just jump back into the political conversation with all of you. Again, I am so excited to be here, and I am joined with two amazing guests, because we're just going to get right into it. So I have on my right Sir Amazing, talk show host of The Shift and Crew, and TV producer. How you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you talking politics. I mean, he was on my show last season. I don't know if you heard it. But it was an awesome show So go back We're on the Anchor app All those episodes are still available So you can hear that one as well as this one And to my left I actually have my family here Like this is awesome I have my family with me Um, I have Atu Clyburn Dad, husband, community member Soon to be activist He doesn't even know But he's going to be out here Talking to people about his story How you doing? All right, all right So I'm excited to jump right into it As you know I think we're on day 22 of the Donald Trump shutdown. He has our government in shackles right now. I mean, just like he has babies in cages. Let's not forget, he's Mm. got us shut down Mm. currently. All right. So everyone has so much to say about how the shutdown affects them, what's going on. So I'm going to just jump right in and ask my guests, what do they think the shutdown will mean for regular Americans? I think it would mean a lot of things. Um, One thing I don't want to overlook, which some people have pointed out to me, there was a bit of a shutdown last year as well to start Mm -hmm. the new year off but i mean it changes changes a lot it's affecting me right now i got some some irs things that i want to handle but i know that's go online and you can't do nothing with it you call in you can't do nothing with it so it definitely slows some people up that might have been trying to get things rolling as we start off this Mm -hmm. new year so you know trump moving away trump's been moving how he wants to right (laughs) and it's just it's just funny to me how he just not he does not take into account regular people. I mean, there was a story, I believe, in the New York Post or the New York Times that discussed how there were New York farmers who weren't able to get farm insurance or farm loans. So this is really affecting middle-class Americans and even those in Trump country. And he wanted to say recently that like they would be willing to take these losses for him. But I'm not quite sure I believe that. What do you think? Do you think regular folks are just willing to take these losses for him? Definitely not but most middle class and lower class people that's working in our society they feel everyday pinch in society and um like you, the brother mentioned before that uh last year the difference between that shutdown there was an end in sight there was a goal this is goal is just a political stunt here mm-hmm. with trump about a wall a wall that don't work that makes no sense mm. that mexico's paid for <laughs> but american people got to feel for it right and um i mean you're starting to see it every day as far as the airports people that's small business loans trying to come back and luckily we live in new york state where you know, we are on track to receive our tax, but who knows? It mm-hmm. might change. Mm-hmm. So be on notice for that. 
getting ready for your tax. So it affects every day, mm-hmm. everyday travel and everything. And, you know, it was funny to me when I would talk to folks, getting them ready for the midterms of 2016 last year. I would always say, listen, right now, government may not be affecting you directly, but one day it will. And the new year hit. We were 10 days into this shutdown. And here we are. We have people who may not be able to get SNAP benefits on time at the first of the month next month. Um, I know that New York State, I believe, sent out a notice saying they won't be releasing SNAP benefits until the 19th of next month. We've already seen, you know, reports about the IRS being understaffed and folks may not be receiving their refund checks. We've also heard stories of TSA agents at major airports not being deciding that they're going to call in sick because they're forced to work and receiving a check that says zero dollars, as many of them did yesterday for work that they did the last two weeks. So, you know, Americans are penny pinching. Everyone is does not have their money wrapped up into Wall Street and can take law and can feel those hits like regular Americans aren't aren't equipped to do that we literally live paycheck to paycheck when we don't get a check we don't have gas to go to work I mean it's that real so whose side who do you think is at fault because a lot of people are saying well the Democrats may need to budge a little do you think the Democrats should budge or should they listen to their base just like Donald Trump is budge as in going forward making right give them as well (laughs) As far as fault goes, I look at it as, you know, when we talked about this the last time I was mm-hmm. on there, you know, Donald Trump was Donald Trump before he got into office. Anybody that expected him to change his actions and how he moved, to me, was foolish. It was an ignorant thing. So I'm the blame is on the people that for some reason they bought the gas. They, they mm. listened to him. Mm. So I'm not a side picker, and I'm a, I don't side with Democrats with, with everything they're saying. Right. I just look at it from a standpoint of the man's fundamental way of getting into office was to be racist and be and treat humans incorrectly so with that being the case it, you can't be on his side so mm. i can't support the wall in any capacity but it's a weird stalemate to be in you right know, it, it puts a lot of people in a situation now where you got to look at yourself and say why have you been living check to check mm. you have right. to plan for these things our history has proven that constantly we go through these different recessions the last yes. the most recent one was back you know 11 years ago or so back in 08 but if you look at the great depression and the things that that happened and people had to endure during those times you kind of have to level up as we start things off and i think that's the biggest thing that people need to take away from this whole situation not yeah. necessarily point fingers at trump or that but you gotta look at yourself and say what can i do better to prepare for you know these type of situations especially knowing right we got this they can hold crazy, us hostage you know what I'm saying? this crazy person is in office and right. what he was pushing right and i mean it's just there's no way for us to really get around the political turmoil and the direction politics is going in this country. I mean, we're this is the country is divided right now, and no one can really say that we're moving in a direction that is inclusive of people of color, of marginalized communities, or that their issues are brought to the forefront. So it's important for us, as you mentioned, to just to just stay woke enough to believe that at any point either party can decide to hold our economy hostage to prove a point to the other side. And he's setting a precedent. How do you feel about, you know, whose side you should be on in regards to Trump and the shutdown? I don't think it's going to be brought down to simplistic terms as whose side, but if I blame anybody, I put the blame on Trump. In fact, you take his own words. He said, yeah, blame me. That's what he told Mm. Charles Schumer. Mm. Blame Mm. me. Mm. So he already knew what he was going into, and like you said, he's playing to his base. That's what's keeping him in power. I mean, put the blame where the blame lies. He said blame (laughs) me. Right. And then he's recently walked it back 
and tried yeah. to say he first off he walked back who was going to pay for the wall so he's right. recently said oh, yeah. a, after they show clip after clip of he saying who's going to pay for the wall mexico like he's trying to walk that back as well as walk back if he should be the one to blame so you know he he's good at saying what sounds good and not what's right so i need everyone to just stay aware of the political climate that we're in and that this can happen under any administration i mean we saw under obama's administration senator ted cruz wanted to shut down the government because he was not in favor of Obamacare. So, I mean, we, we really just, ha- we've got to stay woke. I mean, I'm sorry I'm using that word, but we, <laughs> we just have to stay engaged in this process. As I mentioned before, this does affect us all the time. And someone did touch on the fact that, you know, TSA workers weren't showing up to airports. I mean, let's be real. Until it affects Trump country and their family vacations that all of us don't have the luxury of taking all the time, we're not going to see much from this White House. We're going to see them continue to lie and continue to pander to a group of people that they feel don't care, but they really do when it starts hitting their pockets. So recently we've seen Donald Trump try to say he's going to issue a federal state of emergency in order to divert disaster funding, right? Funding for Maria, Katrina, Hurricane Harvey, critical funding. I mean, we have wildfires in California. We've got hurricanes. We've got flood season. We've got so we can have a natural disaster at any moment. There can be a hurricane that comes up the East Coast and hits New York. We can have a blizzard in western New York. And he wants to divert funding from that that agency to the wall. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, the guy is he's crazy. And, <laughs> yes. and the thing is, his supporters, it really blows my mind. So you're talking about people not coming in TSA. <laughs> TSA. Mm-hmm. It's only, this is going to be year 18 since 9-11. We it makes me uncomfortable because I know I have family members that are constantly traveling. Right. And then I think the reality of just life and monarchies themselves and how things have worked throughout history, which I believe history repeats itself to an extent, it's not a safe time for us to really be playing those games. Like, I feel like as a country, America's already a little bit more vulnerable with Trump being in office. We already have a bad leader. So right. if there was a time for somebody that was devising that plan, right. that scheme, you know what I mean? It's, that would be the time. Exactly. So. Yeah. How do you feel diverting disaster aid? I think that's straight folly. Once again, uh, I always had a visual of Trump uh, balloon, the baby Trump in London. That's what it looks like. Just right. can't get my way. Temperature change. Wrap them put them in the diaper. So, I mean, right now, FEMA don't even have money, they saying, to respond to disasters. But yet, you want to clear a disaster that you create and make right. believe disaster. Mm-hmm. Then to fund the war is just complete nonsense to me. Now, I do believe that there is a humanitarian crisis at the border. And it's actually the influx of women and children coming to this country to gain asylum, asylum seekers. And I mean, if we go back into our history, we all know, and if you don't know, you should definitely Google this, the United States efforts to destabilize South American countries. They're coming from El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, because these countries and their governments are failing to protect them. Gangs are running around raping, murdering women. These women have to take it upon themselves to leave. And they're willing to take and walk millions of thousands of miles to get to the U.S. border just to go to a point of entry, just to request asylum. So it is, we do 
have a humanitarian crisis on the on the border when we have children being separated from their mothers just to prove a point, just to try to deter them from trying to do the best they can to take care of their kids. I mean, women in America will do whatever it takes to take care of their children. Why do we think that women from South America won't do the same thing? It just baffles me. So do you have anything to add to that that kind of babies in cages story? For me, it's just it's, it's sad. I, I, I just look at it like the policy that he's doing just to cater to, what, the 30% of the population that support right. him. It's just like that, that fear mongering. And it's just like, it's just crazy. It's just like, when you think about it, what mother in a right mind intentionally put a child at risk traveling through all types of who knows what just to get to a place that knowing they may be separated, but the choices they have, you stay here, lose my family, constantly in fear of life and death, taking people, children, facing mm-hmm. fight wars, like in Colombia, stuff, a lot of stuff that's going on in these Latin American countries down in South America that, uh, like Keenan said, these policies are forcing down and these countries is cracking down on everyday citizens. And it's just like, so now they come into our country and I hate when people use the word invasion. That's Trump's favorite word, invasion. It's not invasion. <laughs> humanitarian crisis. And um, if you really look at the statistics, it's actually going down. So right. what have you been a while for if it's actually working and, and migration coming over is actually going down? Mm-hmm. So like I said, it's just complete nonsense. It's a fear mongering. That, that was his ploy to get the power and that's what he's using. Right. What do you think? I think it goes back to a few things we already mentioned. Like you mentioned stay woke and I think for the reality is a lot of people don't understand that these are real issues. Like that's still going on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When you're going through your day to day and you upset, when you upset because you didn't get that paycheck, I mean, at least you're not dealing with the situation that some of these other people are dealing with. Right. And I think it just all goes back to what this man has basically said he's trying to represent, which mm-hmm. is making somebody feel like they are superior to other humans. and. That's what that all comes down to. I mean, we've seen our history speaks for itself in mm-hmm. these type of situations. And I think a lot of times we just, we try and put ourselves in a box and think like this thing, these things aren't existing. But I mean, there's a reason why movies like Taken exist. Right. Like that's reality. That's somebody's daughter out there. That's some woman dealing with some situation. There's people out here, there's refugees trying to flee countries in it. Right. You know, to take away somebody's hope is, is one of the most evil things you could do. So I mm-hmm. think that's what a lot of, a lot of this is just perpetuating. Well, you know, we started off this conversation talking about the Trump shutdown. So I'm going to pivot to something more positive. Um, He has been in office for two years and he was finally able to actually pass some legislation. So good job, Donald Trump. But in December, he signed the First Step Act. Now, this is indeed a first step towards us actually being able to do some true criminal justice reform in this country. Many of us have families who have been hit by this. We we live with these things occurring to us all the time, especially now that we see a growing opioid epidemic across this country. I mean, previous, prior to, you know, two years ago, there were folks that were addicted to drugs like heroin and crack cocaine, and they were just sent to jail. It was not seen as a mental health issue, and alcoholism wasn't seen as a disease. It had to start affecting middle America for folks to say, okay, now this is a problem. Because many of us can argue 1980s crack academic and you were just decided that if you got found, if you were got caught with the drug in your pocket that you were going to jail, they weren't addressing this as a disease. But that is 
a whole that's a whole that's a whole other show okay like we would need another hour to talk about that but i'm gonna talk a little bit about the first step act quickly the first step act will impact 181,000 federal prisoners in a prison population of 2.1 million it reduced the disparity between crack and powder cocaine so they retroactively made sure that those folks who were imprisoned prior to 2010 were going to be affected by the change in this policy it eased mandatory minimums um, especially three strikes which automatically gave you 25 years to life it reduced the stacking of gun charges and increased good time credits and it was and also something that I just found appalling but women in prison were being shackled during childbirth I'm not really sure if you can I, I haven't had children myself but it's already a traumatic experience on women to have children so could you imagine doing that shackle to a bed and they've also decided to place prisoners closer to home so how do you feel about this first step act do you think we went in the right direction I think we went in the right direction and I think it's just that a first step but there's mm-hmm. a lot more to be done and, and, and I give uh, Donald Trump his props he was in his air with Van Jones and David Kushner they got together you know and you know pushed that agenda but i think there's a lot more that could be done but like you said it's a first step Mm -hmm. what do you feel like you said i can only echo it it's a first step it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that even with our justice system and and understanding that it's supposed to some way they they try and sell it to help people sometimes Mm -hmm. i just feel like a lot of times we just get lost in the human factor like we humans like to say that you know a, a woman okay she may have committed a crime but does that take her away from being a human mm-hmm. or is that just a human that made a mistake now granted there's there's some awful there's some people who've done some awful things but mm-hmm. i don't know we just live in a world where i don't think a, another human could tell another human how how bad of a person they are or how uh, undeserving you are of certain natural rights so mm-hmm. you know it's, it's good news to hear there is going to be some some reformation but you know like you said it's just it's just the first step i mean you that's not a lot of people that we even talking about. Like it is, it's a good number, but that's still not even close to, to a lot of people that look like us mm-hmm. just behind those bars. So I, I just implore my listeners and viewers to do some research on your state um, laws regarding criminal justice, sentencing, and and how they go about doing things in New York. We've already made some changes. Governor Cuomo got a little pressed when he had a primary ch- challenge by Cynthia Nixon. So he went ahead and decided to, in ways, especially like executive orders, to go ahead and make changes in New York in order to move closer to the left and be able to bring about criminal justice reform in New York. But there are still, I want to say, there are still 2.1 million prisoners that are affected by criminal justice laws in this country that are unfair, that we know are racially disparate. We, we, you know, there was recently a study down in Florida. They have a point system for judges to give out sentences, and they still found that the racial disparity was overwhelmingly giving black and brown, especially men, longer sentences for crimes because embedded in that point system, you could see that there are other ways in which you were receiving points that were adding to a already a racially biased system. So I want all of us to just take that time to see what we can do in our local jurisdictions to talk about criminal justice reform. I live in a a really progressive state, so I'm excited that we've already taken those steps, but we can do more. And And as this, the name of this legislation is First Step, it's a great first step. I'm giving Trump his prompts for this, but I'm still coming down on him for everything else the man is doing that's just blatantly crazy. So to wrap up our conversation today, I want to thank my guests, sir. Amazing. Thank you so much, cuz. 
Thank you so much for being on the show. I mentioned the Shifting Crew earlier in our episode. Where can folks find out more about your show? Well, you can find more about us on Instagram. My Instagram is Surrey Amazing. You can follow the Shifting Crew at the Shift and Crew. My show streams on Scoville TV. So you can find us on ScovilleTV.com. We got a lot of things coming. We got a lot of episodes that we're ready to release. Um, And the show is basically about, you know, inspire, educate, and motivate our youth. So we really want to spotlight the youth, hear what they have to say, hear what they have to say about situations with Trump because their perspective might even be different than ours and they are even right. more invested in in some of these um these wrongdoings as far as human to human than us just naturally based on the error that they are brought up in so it's really about focusing on on the youth okay and family yes, if ma'am. the folks want or have any questions is there somewhere on social media they can just talk to you do you have social media handle are you on facebook uh, i'm on facebook but it's a family facebook but i'm setting up my own facebook because i really want to get into this problem is injustice it's all around our country and that's where i'm at right now so i'm trying to focus and get on that you know outside of you know my personal life so yeah in the future it definitely will be So, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to Citizen the Pod. This is season two. I'm so excited that you guys actually listen and watch and keep up with the things that I'm up to. You can find me on Twitter at Citizen the Pod and The Surge and at The Surge 2020. Listen, y'all know it's a movement. The game don't stop. We got another election November 2020. So it's now The Surge 2020. If we can send a million men and women a war, we can send a million men and women to vote. Um, you can always also find me on Instagram at the surge 2020, and you can find me on Facebook at Kina Zantel. So thank you so much for tuning in. It's season two, and it's Citizen the Pod. Citizens, the show is not over. My interview with Stanley Fritz is coming up next. Welcome back to Citizen the Pod. It's your girl, Kina Zantel. I hope you all have been engaged in the conversation. We're doing big things in 2019, and I'm so excited because I am bringing the real to the show. I'd like to introduce our guest today. It's Citizen Action's New York City Campaign Manager, co-host of Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 WHCR. The voice of Harlem, your boy Stanley Fritz. How you doing? You know, I got lots of complaints, but you know, no one cares. <laughs> Listen, hopefully we can get to all of those complaints and maybe we can find some resolution. Maybe we can we can find some solutions for you today. I don't know. Well, Where I'll do you want to start? Where do you want to get started? So let's jump into things because we're only 10 days into this new year and just Everything is just a hot mess on the federal level. I mean, we've got a shutdown. Mexico is not paying for our wall. I mean, it's just it's just too much. I mean, how do you feel? What's going on with you? What are your thoughts? Because it's just so much going on. Yeah, you know, when Trump got elected president, we knew that things were going to be in chaos. So to some extent, we shouldn't be surprised by this. But yeah, we're about to have the longest government shutdown in American history. Right. Before this, the longest one was 21 days. Um, by tomorrow morning, this will, will have been 22 days. And also by this Friday, 800,000 federal workers will have been working for the last two weeks and will not get a paycheck for it. This is not good. And, you know, the, go- 
the president is doing this because he wants to build a wall, a stupid wall, a right. racist wall, but a wall yes. nevertheless. Yeah. So yep. a yeah. wall that everyone who's done a study has said is not going to deter anyone from getting into the United States. And we all know this because we've seen multiple documentaries of tunnels mm-hmm. that are currently burrowing underneath it. We know that drugs and guns are also coming into our ports via ship containers. We also know that the majority of our terrorists are coming in through airports. So all of his claims that have been, been used to back up this idea that this wall is needed are false. And he continues to lie to us. Did you get a chance to listen to his eight minutes of nothingness? So I tried my very best not to and I ended up watching it. I went to the gym instead and it was on, on at the gym. Oh, so, great. <laughs> so I got, I got to hear the bull. The bull. Well, um, at least it wasn't on your own TV at home. Nah, no ratings for him. Yeah, I um I got to hear it the next morning because I listened to the Daily, the New York Times podcast they do every day. I love those so guys. They, right. So they basically recapped it for me. I was like, I'm going to give my ratings to the Daily, not to him. But he basically said a whole lot of nothing. So how do you feel about the Democrats' response? Well, I mean, the, the Democrats responded. Congratulations. Right. Th- there really wasn't much that they can do, though. And I'm I'm just really upset that they even let Trump on. They gave him primetime audience to do that mm-hmm. because he's going up there to lie. Everyone knows that. When Obama tried to give a primetime um, speech to the American people about immigration, they wouldn't let him do it because they said it was too political, too overtly political. And now they just gave this racist the opportunity to, to do the same thing. I was, was not happy about it. Right. Right. When I heard that, I was actually, I was surprised. I was surprised. I was not aware that Obama tried to do a speech on immigration and was turned down by the networks. Um, and it just, it just baffles my mind that, you know, they actually, it was reported that they had a hard time making it, the, the decision to allow him to do this speech because he has a track record of lying. And he will do whatever it takes to get in front of a camera and spew whatever propaganda he needs to to keep his base happy. And it just it it just I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Right. Like, I I really shouldn't be surprised that the white men that control these networks who wouldn't give Obama the opportunity to address this issue would then turn around and give it to Donald Trump. It's just. You you know you all we always think that maybe we've taken some steps forward, but this is another example of just this country taking ten steps back. Yeah, seriously. You know, so the Democrats did respond though, and actually, I was upset about who did the response. <laughs> I just felt it was just it was a complete slap in, in the face to all of the progressives that went out and voted during the midterm elections like have they not realized that we want to hear from different voices in the party and that we need other folks to you know fly the democratic flag in order for folks to pay attention it's just it was you know and I'm I'm not going to I don't really have too many bad things to say about Senator Schumer Mm. and, and Nancy but I just feel they could have picked more charismatic folks to go out there 
to say what they said. I mean, really, they, like, they picked the oldest people in the world to go up there <laughs> and speak. Yes, and they looked it. And she has been k- kissing Trump's butt for the last two years. Listen, I get that the leadership, they got to go up there and speak because they're the leadership. But besides being the senior people there, I don't, I don't really understand it. And for, if, you, if you just wanted to go up there and respond with the facts, then give the facts. But they would try to talk spicy at the same time, and it fell flat to me. Yeah, it, it, it was really flat to me. I mean, the the notion that video killed the radio star, like, applied to me. <laughs> like, completely applied to me yeah. in that moment. Like, can we, can could we have gotten someone else? I just felt like they could have picked two other Democrats to make this statement. Like, where was Cory Booker? Where was Kamala Harris? I mean, I mean, just give someone else the opportunity. I just don't understand why they thought that they were the best folks to go marching hmm. after Trump. And I mean, yeah, it, it completely fell flat. So we have a shutdown. We have a president who decides to throw a temper tantrum anytime he has the opportunity to sit down and negotiate. Yeah. I mean, where is the deal maker? Like, where is the deal maker? I am convinced that he's never sat in a room and made a deal for any real estate transactions after seeing the way in which he conducts himself every time he has the opportunity to actually work on a solution to the shutdown. Well, I mean, there's no deal makers in the room. Trump didn't conduct his own business. He just signed off on stuff. And with the government shutdown, there's no deal to be made. It's supposed to be regular business that, oh, our bills are coming up. Let's pay them. And all that's supposed to happen is you say, here are the bills we got to pay. Here's how much it costs. Let's vote yes to pay the bills. And that has happened regularly for almost every single year this country has existed mm-hmm. until Obama became president and Republicans started playing around with this. And now Trump has taken it to a new level. This is straight right. ignorance. Right. And I just don't understand how the deficit hawks of this country those who feel like we should have a balanced budget can now throw every single principle that created the Tea Party at some point out of the window in order to pacify a president who just never makes any sense. Like he can't even make his own argument for the things that he wants. So it was never it was never about the budget. It was always about that anger about a black man that they were afraid was gonna come to Mississippi or Alabama or wherever they live, and steal their cousins from them so they can't have sex with them anymore. <laughs> Listen, like, okay. it's not about that. Preach. It's never, it's never about what they say it is. It's always been about upholding white supremacy mm-hmm. and, and controlling power. Yeah. And they will do whatever it takes. I mean, Mitch McConnell, They, I think it was reported today that Senator Schumer and the Democrats tried to bring a bill to the floor, and he shut that down. And it's like, it's clear that this is not about the people. How long do you think that Trumplicans are going to continue <laughs> to allow this to go on? Like, how long do you think this is going to last? Because I, I don't know where, what, in which direction it's going to go in. This might go for a little bit. We might be all the way into February before folks start to catch an attitude about this for real. And what's probably going to shift the tide is when folks are not getting their tax money. Because let's let's let me be clear with you. Don't don't listen to what the White House is telling you about how they're ordering federal workers to come back so folks can get their tax dollars. That's not gonna work because they're still not getting paid. So the same thing that's happening at the TSA mm-hmm. where folks are calling in sick 
because they're not getting paid for it and they're not going to get back pay is the same exact thing that's going to happen right now with the taxes. And when folks stop seeing their tax dollars coming in and they're getting upset, you're going to see a whole different type of energy coming around with us. Yeah. I was thinking that like when grandma can't get her food stamps and you know, let's be real. Like see, there are tons of seniors in this country, especially in middle America who benefit from the SNAP program who get benefits every month from the Mm -hmm. SNAP program that are on Medicaid, that are on social security. And when grandma can't get her food stamps and Joe Schmo, the crazy with the Confederate flag on the back of his truck has to come in and, and supplement her income, then he's going to have an issue with this as well. Because I think mm-hmm. it was reported that come February 1st, the reserves for SNAP benefits may, may be run out. Yep. So, yeah, I definitely believe that it's going to take folks to have a to have a real reason to be upset for things to be to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they're going to be in real big trouble when that happens. But knowing the Trump administration, they're just going to keep on lying. But this, this wall that they want to build up, it's not... First of all, we don't have an illegal immigration problem. Immigration into this country, particularly from Mexico, has decreased every single year for the last 10 years. We don't have an immigration problem. What we do have are people who are coming here legally and asking for asylum. And instead of giving it to them or letting them apply, the Trump administration is A taking them away from it, separating parents from kids, and B, Ridiculous. putting them all in, in these holding spaces. And they're running out of spaces to hold these innocent people. So he's literally created a problem that didn't mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. And now he's trying to blame it on rapists. Well, let's be real. He's creating, co- he's creating chaos to deflect. Like, we know that it was just reported that Manafort was giving campaign information to the Russians. Mr. There is no collusion. There is no collusion. There is no collusion. I mean, he couldn't have said collusion more than, you know, mainstream media says the word collusion Mm -hmm. in Trump in the same sentence. I mean, he is definitely one who has mastered the 24 hour news cycle and how to deflect by making something crazy, saying something crazy or doing something crazy in order to keep us distracted. Yeah. He's the distractor in chief, and I'm not really sure what it's going to take for his base to get it. And I don't think they want to. I think that this is really, like I mentioned before, this is really just about upholding white supremacy and keeping power in the hands of the few. Because I don't know. I just don't understand why they will vote against their own best interests. I mean, white supremacy is just that important. They're just that scared of empowered minorities. White people feel their power lessening. They realize that they're going to be the minority soon because mm-hmm. white people are not having, having as many kids and, then, <laughs> and they know that they're not going to have a strong vote. And what you're seeing right here uh, is pretty much the last grasp of white supremacists trying to hold on to the little bit of juice that they used to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they got the lead right now, but they're going to lose and it's going to be ugly because you can only be in power, you can only be at the top of the food chain for so long. Right. Even Suge Knight got knocked out eventually. <laughs> he sure did. He sure did. Ran somebody over on camera and thought them boys wasn't going to come for him. Mm-hmm. And we was all scared of him as kids, man. Remember that? <laughs> so scared. Yeah, I wouldn't even say Suge who? Nah, Chuck. <laughs> He's still scary. But he in, so, he in prison now, scared. so you know, I can talk but, spicy. 
Listen, he is still, he is still scary. So let's talk a little bit about the Democrats. We've got Elizabeth Warren, who has decided to run for president. I'm hearing that. Is it Julian Castro? Maybe. Did I get his name right? Julian Castro? Who may be announcing this weekend. I'm hearing Kamala Harris is going to announce by Martin Luther King Day. How do you see 2020 sizing up for the Democrats? I'm excited. Listen, we like the problem we had last time was Hillary. It was like, oh, Hillary's running. She's going to win. And that was the end of the conversation. Right. And, you know, I supported Hillary in general, like any person who didn't want to see an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> you have a healthy democracy when multiple people are running for president. And I'm really excited to see what each of these candidates bring to the table or want to bring to the table. And I'm really excited to learn more about them and make a decision about who I want to support. So this is a good thing. I'm really excited about this. So are you, is there anyone that you wanted to see run that ha- that you haven't heard is going to announce yet? Because there are a ton of people. Yeah, there's one person I want to see run that will not run. Alessandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah. yeah she's, way, she's way too young and she's probably like aggressively unqualified, but so is Donald Trump. So, right. <laughs> yeah, you know? Right. I don't, un- yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I just don't understand why we have to, I think that whole notion of like um, wait your turn mm-hmm. and like the phrase likability and are you electable? I think that we need to really just throw that in the trash. I think the election of Donald Trump proved that the the old way in which we used to look at candidates mm-hmm. and their positioning to run for office is a trash model. In the age of social media and this sort of rock star status char- charisma that people are looking for now in candidates means that it's just not about it's not about what the party wants. It's not about what the establishment wants. It's about who's willing to go the distance. And I'm looking for a candidate that's willing to go the distance. That's yeah. really the, that's willing to put who they are on front street for everyone to see and get to know. And yep. that's willing to really be about their convictions and what is really pushing them to be a public servant. Yeah. And if we don't, if we don't get that from a candidate then we're gonna fall flat on our face because you can't say that donald trump doesn't have originality mm-hmm. like he was just a douchebag and yeah. he lived in his douchebagginess yeah prospering in his douchebaggy bag yeah now we're stuck with that yes now we're stuck with that now we're just living in the repercussions of making just a dumb decision Mm -hmm. but was it really us do you think that because we've had so many reports come out that talked about um you know russian trolls on social media and how they suppressed the vote um but i I actually don't believe that it was russia i believe that republicans suppressed the black vote Mm -hmm. and they successfully did that in 20 you know in 28 and 2016 so that's what really where I mean, Russia could easily be a distraction because what we saw in Georgia, what we've seen in, in Florida and in Broward County, those are examples of the Republican Party winning. Well, I think it can be both because Russia did play a role in helping to depress the vote. They put mm-hmm. out a lot of propaganda 
and maybe that didn't that didn't actively stop people from voting, but it definitely discouraged you to vote for Hillary when every five seconds there was a new clip about Hillary calling black people monkeys or something mm-hmm. that we found out later were fake. So that plays a role. But the Republicans have been building a machine that stops black people from voting from any by any means necessary for at least forty years. So right. you know, I, I I definitely think it can be both things and it is both things. But I also think that we have an obligation and we we gotta make sure that Republicans are no longer in position to to pull this kind of nonsense again because they really did pull the ultimate finesse on us. And everybody was so busy arguing that we didn't realize what was happening until it happened. Right, right. And, you know, I was, you know, doing a little bit of research on just, like, the voting machines that they use in Georgia Mm -hmm. are machines that, you know, credible political scientists have proven can be manipulated and don't work in the best interest yet Georgia is still using these machines when Mm -hmm. states like New York have gotten rid of all of them or you think about like the hanging Chad controversy back in 2000 with the Bush and Gore campaign with the Bush and and Gore presidential election Mm -hmm. but we still have an issue where they won't count votes in Broward County in Florida Mm -hmm. you know over timing because of the judge who decided we're just not gonna we're just not gonna count your votes. Yeah. A Republican judge who made that decision. Like they're trying to hand in votes two minutes after the deadline. We're just not gonna count them. Mm-hmm. We what do you think that we can do to really start to one educate people on the things that they're doing to keep us from voting? Because we talk about the importance of voting, the importance of voting so much, which I love because we just need to keep beating beating it into people. But are there other things that we can do to get people to understand that they are really out here to, to keep us down? Well, yeah. So I always tell people that politics is a contact sport. And whether you like it or not, you got to be involved all the time. Mm-hmm. But we go into these communities, particularly black communities, and we bash them for not voting and say, oh, if you don't vote, it's going to be trash. But what is their interest in voting? What mm-hmm. do they get out of it? Why should it? And we got to do a better job and we should start working on ways to connect people's day-to-day issues to the people that are elected into office. So, for example, if you're a federal worker right now and you're not getting a check, well, guess what? The person that was elected president, he's doing that. And our Republicans and Senate could stop them, but they don't want to. Do you have a Republican as, a, as your U.S. Senator? Right. Maybe you got to have a conversation next election. But we got to connect them to the stuff that impacts their day-to-day lives. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I think that, um, I think we did a really good job. We do a really good job, job of that when politics becomes local. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we lose that during you know, national election when it's time to vote for presidents. Is it because candidates decide to move to the middle? They decide to lose who they are in order to just win? I mean, where is the disconnect when it comes to presidential elections? I think it's pretty simple. We assume that everyone is paying attention to everything so they know and that we just just expect them to pull up and be ready to vote and be informed and do the right thing. And, And that's just not the case. Right. Like I said before, you, there needs to be some aggressive and intentional political education so that folks can understand not just the stakes, but also why they should give a damn. 
And mm-hmm. if, if you're not showing people or proving to people that they need to give a damn, they won't give a damn. Right. Right. Oh, well, you know, it's just so much going on in politics right now. And I'm hoping that my listeners, I'm hoping that your listeners for your show are continuing to do, you know, the little bit they can to get engaged. Do you have any advice for those young people who want to get engaged but really don't know where to start? One of the best things you can ever do is go volunteer for a campaign. We have some kind of election all the time, every Mm -hmm. single year. If you really want to get down with something, you really can. It's just a matter of like finding a space that you can fit in. And once you find a campaign that you can get involved in, that you feel inspired in, you can really make a lot of change. The next piece is to be looking for outlets to get the political education that is going to give you the power to build power in your community. Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to get out of this, it's not going to be from old people. It's not going to be from white people. It's right. going to be from young people. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Stanley, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really appreciate you. I want all my listeners to know every Sunday, let your voice be heard. I was able to Google it and get information. Like they have a website. So where can the people find you? Twitter, Facebook, all of it. So um, first of all, if you want want to listen to the podcast, we're everywhere you get your podcasts. iTunes, um, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Music, all of that. And it's Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram at BeHeard underscore radio. And we do our show on Facebook Live as well. And that's at Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. Um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Stan Fritz, F-R-I-T-Z. And you can find ev- everywhere you got the same handle, so it's that easy. Yep. Listen, folks, he makes it easy for you. I... On the other hand, do not. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at Kina Zantel. You can find me on Twitter at Citizen the Pod. You can find me on Instagram at The Surge 2020. You all know my motto. If we can send 100,000 men and women to war, we can send 100,000 men and women to vote. So we had this whole conversation. Again, Stanley, I want to thank you so much for being part of the show. It's season two of Citizen the Pod. Thank you so much, listeners, and I hope you tune back in next week. What's up, citizens, voters, patriots? It's your girl, Kina Zantel. And if you want to know more about me and the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kina Zantel. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kina Zantel, and hit subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to the show on.